The following is a production of JSC Media. Stay, Stay ready. ready. You're listening to the People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. It doesn't matter if you're into the way things look or not. You care, even on some subconscious level. And the thing is, is with branding, it's consistency. It's the long game. And with when you start out with the aesthetics of a brand, a lot of people have this. People don't really understand that it's not fully about the visuals yet. So the visuals are the first thing that you notice, but it's not the first thing that you do. So the, the first thing that you must do when building your brand is you need to get really, really clear on the foundation or what I like to call the soul of your brand first. You need to figure out why you do whatever you do. Um, you need to figure out your purpose, your mission, your tone of voice, your core values, your brand essence, what adjectives and emotions do you want people to feel when they come in contact with your brand? Um, you need to know who you're speaking to. You need to know all of these things before you even can get into the visuals. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. My name's Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 110th episode of the People's Podcast. This is Jay Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. I want to thank all of you who support this podcast across all the different podcast providers. Yes, I said across, across all the different podcast providers, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher, on TuneIn, on Radio.com. Of course, be sure to get that Radio.com app on Podchaser, on all the different ones, Google Podcasts. I'm a little out of it, as you can tell. Of course, we're also on Spotify. Do not forget Spotify. That's where so many of you check us out everywhere. I want to thank everybody who supports the YouTube page, bit.ly slash JSC2. I want to thank you for supporting us on social media. We're JSC Radio on Instagram, JSC Radio on Twitter, JSC Radio on Facebook. Haven't updated that as much because things have been really, really wacky as I'm about to get into. I want to thank you for supporting me on the social medias. That's at J Scott Smith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. That's J Scott Smith on Twitter, J Scott Smith on Instagram, real J Scott Smith on Facebook. I want to also make sure that I shout out the Amazon page, amazon.com slash shop slash J Scott Smith. I want to big up my man, Doc Illingsworth. He was about to go on tour with uh, homeboy Sandman through the month of April was going to be a really cool thing throughout the Midwest. And there was actually a pretty good opportunity for me to actually check out a show in person in Pittsburgh because we had a convention that was going to be in Pittsburgh the same weekend he was going to be there. That's not happening again. We'll get there in a second. Uh, but he still has done nothing but drop awesome music. Of course, my man, Awesome Jones, O-S-S-I-M-J-O-N-E-S. He does the lead-in theme called Blue Chucks on this podcast. This is the anniversary show, the four-year anniversary show on this motherfucker. I think that for this to be the anniversary show, it's kind of fitting because so much of this podcast initially was about commentary and about talking and about just kind of letting you know how I feel. Well, this intro was originally recorded last week. 
And it was actually recorded the day that I would like to say, the day that got real with uh, the coronavirus outbreak. I recorded this thing and finished it about 20 minutes before the NBA shut down because Rudy Gobert of the Jazz tested positive for the coronavirus two days after he was an asshat and made a joke out of it after a press conference in Utah where he actually may have unintentionally exposed any journalist covering that press conference. He eventually infected Donovan Mitchell, the all-star shooting guard teammate of his. Unknowingly running around with the coronavirus, he also infected Christian Wood, a forward for the Detroit Pistons. The last team the Pistons played prior to the NBA shutting down was the Philadelphia 76ers. That was just the NBA. In the week, not even the week, it was like five days ago. It feels like it was a lot longer ago. But in just five days since I originally recorded this, because this episode was to drop last Friday, that got changed because so many things have happened in the last few days. In that original intro, I somewhat made light of people not taking the coronavirus issue seriously. And I somewhat made light of people running around and saying with their whole chest and with a straight face that they thought black people were immune to the disease. This is, again, before at least three NBA players, plus a player from the XFL, plus untold numbers of people around the country and around the globe. Because, as I stressed in the original intro, and as I'm going to stress now, we don't know who the f*** has it. Anybody who says this well, this amount of black people don't have it. They don't know fuck all about this because nobody's names have been made public. Nobody's names are out there. We don't know the identities of people unless they come out and say it. So anyone purporting to claim that black people haven't died of this, that black people haven't gotten sick of this, that people in this area, that area don't have it, they are full of snot. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And that is one of the biggest problems of this entire thing. There are too many really smart people saying really dumb things and not thinking things out. They default to defiance. They default to stupidity. They default to ass covering and deflection instead of doing what's right. You want to know what the last five days have been for me? It's been a lot of time on air gathering together a lot of facts, things changing on a dime, watching systematically this society slowly but surely shut its ass down from coast to coast, pillar to post, from the Ruta to the Tuta here in the United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, and all places in between. Yes, I'm trying to have a little fun with this, but there's a lot of anxiety. I'm currently sitting in the makeshift JSC radio studio here at Lincoln University. I'm literally the only guy in this building right now, and I might be one of maybe 15, 20 people on this campus. The first time I recorded this, students were packing up their feverishly to get off this campus because all face-to-face -face classes were canceled rather abruptly last week. 
that's when I kind of got the feeling that this thing was legitimate. Like, really. I knew it was legitimate, but I knew it was getting very real very fast when these universities started shutting down and then every major sports league in North America shut its ass down. The NBA, gone. The NHL, gone. Major League Baseball, gone before the season starts. The XFL, gone. The EPL, gone. Hell, they canceled the NCAA tournament. All gone. Dunzo. This is pretty, this is uncharted water. This is the type of thing that you see in movies. It's gotten kind of, uh, it's gotten kind of mind-blowing. I've, I've struggled to find words. I've been on air on radio in Philadelphia. This is the first day I haven't been on air since Thursday. And each day I was in there, it was like a different fresh hell each time. And I just, as I'm sitting here, I just see a news alert pop up on my on my phone, well, on my watch, on my Apple Watch, a little mild flex there, that McDonald's is closing all dining rooms across the United States due to coronavirus. You can still go through drive throughs and takeout, and you can still get delivery through DoorDash or through Postmates, which I once was doing just to be able to make ends meet about a year ago. But why the <laughs> would you want to have anybody bringing you your food? Because you don't know if this motherfucker has the disease or not. Because if you're within six feet of somebody, you can get it. Idris Elba has it. Donovan Mitchell has it. Rudy Gobert has it. Tom Hanks has it. The wife of the Canadian prime minister has it. And guess what? There's going to be a whole lot more people that you know and like walking around with this shit. When this whole thing started, my mother was coming off of something that felt like a cold, felt like the flu. My mother's in her 70s. It makes me nervous whenever she gets sick. My dad is in his 70s. He has high blood pressure. He'd been through some shit in his life. He's in amazing shape for a guy his age, but I worry when things happen. So that's why I don't have exactly a ton of patience for you smarmy bastards out here blaming the media and calling this hype and saying this is media hype. Oh, it's just like the flu. Just get a flu shot, which is really funny coming from a lot of you who about six months ago were mocking people who were getting flu shots saying flu shots don't work. So pick a side or shut the f*** up or better yet do both it's why i don't have a lot of patience for people trying to play the black people are immune card you haven't seen anybody you haven't seen any black person who's sick this is being said to me a week ago as i'm pointing out that nine african nations have cases of this i was taking this seriously from jump and when my mother calls me and says that she's not feeling well and can't leave the house and all this shit is going on and we don't have adequate testing in this country that's something i won't get into here but Y'all know where I'm going. We don't have adequate, adequate testing in this country, so I don't know what the f*** is going on. So the last thing I need is somebody trying to lecture me or condescend to me or talk to me about black people possibly being immune when I live in the reality of I have to talk to doctors and medical professionals, not just for the job, but for my own edification. So I have that behind me. I have that proof behind me. And I don't need to be lectured by somebody who got their information off a meme they saw on f***ing Facebook. Last week, I had a little fun with this intro. And I might have come off a little flipping in it. And I, and I just listened to it once on Wednesday evening and thought, okay, we can do this. And then I left here and all hell broke loose. And I realized that there's no way I could put up a podcast with that intro knowing good and damn well it was irresponsible. And there's been a lot of irresponsible motherfuckers out here, whether it's been 
just in society. I saw this video from earlier today because this is being recorded on Monday the 16th. I saw this earlier today of Clearwater Beach in Florida where all these simpletons are running around at the beach all close to each other despite the fact that every single reputable medical organization all the way up to the CDC is telling people stop congregating in groups of more than 50 and these dender mifflins are out here by the thousands. You got these dum-dums jumping around in clubs and bars all damn weekend. Come on, bro. You got the governor of New York out here looking like an actual president, but you have other people defaulting to stupid, defaulting to dumb, defaulting to covering their ass. You got people defaulting to conspiracy theories and yelling and screaming at reporters and blaming us for this. Shut the f*** up. This is serious. And it's time we started acting like some grown-ups and stop being selfish and start thinking of others around us. Because this is real. And I... And mind you, it's an intro you're never going to hear. It was actually kind of funny, but it's an intro you're never going to hear because I just realized that with the gravity of what's going on here, of course we can joke around and laugh and play grab ass and do all the goofy things that we normally do. But I want to make this known that I take this very seriously. Everything from how this is affecting society, how kids are going to lose the opportunity to play with each other, to go to proms, to go to different programs. All the major sports are delayed until at least June, even though for some odd reason, WWE is still insisting upon trying to do WrestleMania, which I don't understand. But you have these major sports leagues are going to either cancel major events or postpone them two, three, four friggin' months. Just push them all the way down the line. You got universities canceling graduations. Kids who didn't work their whole lives for that one moment to walk across a stage and get that degree and get their moment in the sunshine is taken away from them because of this. And I got I to gotta have people trying to ta- tell me that black people are immune to it. I got to have people trying to blame the media for this. Come on, bro. Grow up. Smarten up. Like, for real. You just found out from Idris Elba, we ain't immune. This was not a thing to play with. This was not a game. As such, I had to re-record this because I didn't want to be irresponsible and goofing around when this thing got very serious very fast. And this is very stressful, and it's really tough on a lot of us, especially in the me- especially as media members, because even our newsrooms are taking major hits because of this. you got reporters who can't come into newsrooms now because you can't be congregating a bunch of people in one place. you got news anchors and producers on TV shows, or TV shows, TV stations, radio stations, where it's just us in there. The reporters are all out remotely. All our staffs are out remotely. This whole university is basically a goddamn ghost town now. This is serious. And some of y'all probably should have taken it a lot more serious. And yes, I'm pointing directly at Washington, D.C. when I say this, too. Should have taken this a hell of a lot more seriously than you have. Because now we're knee-deep in it. And we don't know where we're getting out of it. So we got to be smart. Yes, if you don't have to be in a group setting, don't be there. If you're sick... Don't take your ass to work if your job is even allowing you to come into the office now. Stay home. Watch Netflix. Watch WWE Network. Watch YouTube. Watch Hulu. Get to know your family members and close friends and your kids. For God's sake, this is a worldwide pandemic. This ain't the time to try to talk about I'm going to live my life and I'm going to jump these flights and I'm going to get this cheap vacation. No, your ass isn't. You're going to stay your ass at the crib. And be safe. Be smart. Wash your f***ing hands. That's something that no matter what, I'm still going to keep saying that. Wash your damn hands, you nasty bastards. Wash your hands. 
I shouldn't see any of you walking right from a stall, right out of the bathroom anymore. Not after this. It's too important. It's too big, and it means too much. So I wanted to make sure that I redid this intro before I ever put this thing out here because it was irresponsible of me, at least by my standards. I felt it was irresponsible. It was irresponsible of me to do it and have fun with it even a little bit, recognizing that this is a very serious situation. And more so, more so I just wanted to make it known that it has been a rough four days for any of us working in the media. And the last thing we need is one of you idiots calling this media hype or blaming us for hyping things up. Hell no, because if we hadn't talked about it, you'd be bitching that we don't cover it because that's what you idiots do. You don't understand how difficult of a job it is to get up every morning and cover this and get these stories out here for you ungrateful motherfuckers. And I'm kind of fed up with it, and so many of us in this business are really fed up with it, and we don't exactly have the leeway to say it right now, but please understand, we would tell each and every one of you to go stick your head in about a gallon of water and sit and spin if we could. But we're too busy trying to get the word out there and keep things abreast and keep things updated and keep people honest and keep people on their f***ing square in the midst of something that we haven't seen the likes of in this country ever and probably not on planet Earth since the bubonic plague. Maybe the polio epidemic of the 1940s, perhaps, could be the closest thing you can think of and maybe the lifetimes of your grandparents. Miss me with your silliness. Miss me with your conspiracy theories. And don't you dare bring that media blame bullshit my way because the microphone I've got in my hand might end up someplace else and you're going to need more than hand sanitizer to get yourself over off of that. I've done enough talking. We come up out of this break. We're going to pick it up with our guest, Kate Obert. Talked to her about a week and a half ago about branding, about everything that goes into building your brand, building your business, and building its identity. And we had a great conversation, and it was a fun conversation. And we're going to get a little bit off of this and give you something else to think about for about an hour. But I want to thank those of you who support this podcast. I want to thank those of you who support me on air here in Philadelphia. Again, this show is not connected to that company or that station. That's why I don't say the name of the station on here. But please understand that I recognize that you guys know a lot of what I'm doing and you show a lot of love and everything else, and I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate all the love I've gotten for the work I've done this weekend. But that's not just me. That's the entire crew there because they made all that happen. They made me sound good. They made me look good. They're the ones who get the job done, not just me. That ain't just me. That's a team effort from everyone there. And they don't get the shine and the love that they deserve because too many of you morons are out here always trying to find a reason to get, get some stupid phrase off to get yourself a few extra tweets we ain't got time for that. Kate Obert's coming up next. My name's Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 110th episode of the People's Podcast. This is Jay Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. Wash your damn hands. I got Kate Obert coming up after this. Oh, my God. This next one, I need no prop for. In fact, I'm the prop for this next one. I literally was in the beauty shop just yesterday. I'm not even kidding. And I overheard this woman talking to another woman saying, she said something like, did you hear? I heard that black people can't get coronavirus. Uh-huh. Yeah, she really said. I, I said, what? <laughs> and she said it again. She's like, yeah, I heard that black people can't get coronavirus. And she was literally having a conversation with another woman about this. 
Uh, guys, I'm black. Many of you might be black. Um, there is no evidence to say that black people cannot get coronavirus. This is a myth, okay? Anyone can get coronavirus. Now we know it mostly affects uh, older people more seriously. It seems that younger people are spared or have milder disease, but guys, in terms of races, now black people can get coronavirus, okay? You're listening to the People's Podcast. I'm not gonna be responsible for what happens next. This is JSC Radio. Hey now, Jay Scott Smith here. Of course, you know, I am the host of JSC Radio, which you have heard on Stitcher from the very beginning. Because in case a lot of you don't remember, Stitcher was the first major podcast platform to pick up my show. And now they want to give something back to each and every one of you listeners on Stitcher. Introducing Stitcher Premium. You can listen to some of your favorite shows ad-free, mind you, with Stitcher Premium for only $4.99 a month or, if you prefer, $34.99 a year. You can get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and so much more. Listen to shows like the Fantasy Footballers ad-free, or you can get shows like Dunk on Basketball and, of course, JSC Radio. Simply go to Stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. That's Stitcher.com slash premium premium to sign up today and when you go there drop in the promo code jsc we get you one free month of stitcher premium don't ever say i ain't do nothing for y'all remember it's stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and get one month free by dropping that promo code jsc it's just that simple baby get on stitcher premium right now and you can get the best in podcasting Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. (laughs) This is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. You can't say F you to your granddaughter. I just did, Morty. Here's dessert. F*** you. This is J.S.C. Radio. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. This is the 110th episode of the People's Podcast. This is J. Scott Confidential, better known as J.S.C. Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here. Thanks once again for supporting this and every single episode of this damn podcast as we've reached another milestone with episode 110. And it's time to go to this week's guest. And her name is Kate Obert. She's a fashion stylist turned brand strategist. She works with high-level entrepreneurs and innovative brands to build and maintain a cohesive brand identity to increase sales and further their mission. She's all about branding, damn it. That means she's an expert at connecting the dots and gaining clarity on the foundation of your brand so she can create a cohesive visual identity. Anybody who knows me knows I'm big into logos. And we talk about the logo of this show and of other brands during this conversation. She lives in Los Angeles, has a bachelor's degree in business marketing with a minor in clothing and textiles, and has an obsession with the art of building a brand, psychology, and self-development. 
This is a conversation that I've been wanting to have with someone for a long time because I've had this obsession with branding, with colors, with schemes, everything that works to tell to tell the story of your brand as well as also to understand your audience. Been on this big business kick lately and truth, truth be told, JSC Media grows as much as this podcast does. So why not talk to somebody who understands about branding and can help you if you're starting a business or you're building your own personal brand, what to look for. I welcome in Kate Ober on the 110th episode of the People's Podcast. This is J. Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. Settle in, y'all. We had a great conversation as she checked in from the City of Angels. This is episode 110 of J. Scott Confidential, and let's get to our conversation with Kate Ober. This is a presentation of JSC Media. Kate, first and foremost, I want to thank you for coming on here with me. I've really been looking forward to this because I've I've always had an interest in branding. Branding, everything down to color schemes, the understanding your audience, and I figure nobody's a better person to talk to than you about this sort of thing because it's not just that and it's not just that I noticed that you're about branding it's that you're really into the details on this sort of thing yeah. what is it that first kind of got you interested in this of all the things we can go into in life this was this seemed to be the bag for you what was it that drew you toward being in branding and and understanding how how businesses work from that sort of standpoint yeah thank you well first thank you for interviewing me this is awesome uh, I love talking about branding in every single way. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's one of those things that thinking back, I've always been into branding. I didn't really know that that's what it was called. Ever since I was little, I, well, I've always been into fashion. That's my background before branding. Um, but fashion styling is really just the surface level part of branding. So it's funny, I've now introduced that a little bit more into my branding when I work with clients is offering this like rebrand image. Um, and because it's, you know, people don't like to admit, but the way you look matters. Oh, and absolutely. Impressions are everything. And a lot of my clients speak on stages and things like that. And especially with social media, you've got to make sure that the way you look is exuding what you want. So that's where, that's a little bit of how that came to be. But I've always been one for the details, the specifics. I've been told before, you know, you're materialistic, you're too into the way things look. doesn't matter if something looks good as long as it is good. Like all of these negative things, right? And so for a long time, I was almost like, I'll, lack of better word, ashamed for the fact that I was into that type of stuff. Because like I said, it usually comes with a negative connotation of, that's what you care about. You don't care about substance. You care about looks. And then I'll pause on that for a second. Like I, after call, so I have a marketing degree. I've always been into psychology. I almost went into that, but to be honest, I just didn't want to do the extra schooling. <laughs> um, and so I've always loved psychology and what makes people do things. Mm -hmm. um, and after college, I had an internship at Nordstrom and then I went on to manage a Michael Kors store and then realized didn't want to work up the corporate ladder, went over to switch gears completely and was an executive assistant to CEO of an ad agency, ad agency, excuse me. And it's like everything that you would think it is like it, with Mad Men. Have you heard, seen that oh, show? Of it's 
yeah, it was incredible. And one thing I learned there was just like, it, it honed all my skills. Impossible, especially being an EA, impossible is not a word. You do not take no for an answer. You get it done, whatever they want. Um, and you pay attention to details. So I'm working with these high caliber people and what they care about are experiences. What they care about are all of the specifics. You know, like if you're throwing a party, you need to make sure even down to the napkins, it looks great. Exactly. And a huge part is that I also noticed is the difference between people like that and quote unquote regular people is no one necessarily cares if it's not there, but they really appreciate it when it's there and you make a memorable, you make a memorable experience for them. So then I kept doing my EA job and I moved out to California and so I already got a taste of working from home and I knew I wanted to do something for myself and not work for anybody else. And a lot of it really came through self-development of realizing that what comes easy to me does not come easy to everybody else. And I really thought that it did. So I was thinking me being able to visualize something without it being there. For instance, like if I showed someone, Hey, do you like this shirt? They're like, I don't know. I have to see it on. And I'm like, you can't just think you can't just, you can't just picture what that would look like on somebody immediately. Confusing to me. And that's just one example is But it was confusing to me how people just didn't get aesthetics. I could walk into someplace and see where things like, see how things come together. Um, for instance, we're in Vegas last year and um, the new, which now is closed, uh, but the new hotel, I think it was the Palms, had their outdoor pool party cl- club open. Mm-hmm. And everything looked beautiful. And here I am, like, looking at how all the fonts are and, like, everything. <laughs> and, but the workers or, you know, bartenders, whatever, they were wearing, like, very weird construction shirts. Like, it, it just completely threw off the whole thing. And I kept saying that throughout the night. And I was like, why do you care? It doesn't matter what they're wearing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, but it's throwing off the whole brand. And so it's just that's I don't know. It's just those type of things really matter. And I've come to realize that it doesn't come easy for everybody. And that is where the sweet spot is for everybody. It's interesting when I hear you say that because. People who know me know I'm that way about uniforms on sports teams because one of the more infamous changes to a uniform, to a team's uniform, was when the Detroit Pistons in 1996 went from their traditional red, white, and blue, very – it was kind of basic looking, but it just defined them. They had won two NBA championships and had all this success for a decade in this particular uniform, this particular brand. The colors were red, white, and blue. Their uniforms, home uniforms, are white. road uniforms blue they had just recently added a red uniform so they had three different uniforms and they all look cool and then radically in 1996 they did it this crazy change where they changed from red white and blue to teal kind of a red and a white and the logo went from this basic detroit pistons circular logo with just the word written into it to this big crazy thing with tailpipes and a horse's head and it was instantly panned where the old school the old school basketball heads and even the people who were into teal cuz teal was a thing in the 90s everyone yeah. was into teal even they looked at it and said what the hell are they doing why would you do that 
Th- those aren't the Detroit Pistons. I don't know who that is that is running around saying they're the Detroit Pistons, but that's that's not the city. That's not the vibe. That's not this team. Yeah. It's so yeah. – I would have to send you pictures of the, of the before and after to kind of give you an yeah. idea of how horrific these uniforms looked. <laughs> it was so bad that in the NBA where they sell throwback uniforms and they go back to the old throwback unis – they didn't start pulling those teal things back out because they got rid of them in 2001. They didn't bring those things back out until this year. And even then, a lot of people who are like me who lived through that said, oh, hell no, you're not bringing those things back. <laughs> you're not doing that. And it was even associated with despite the fact that the team had a couple of good years, no yeah. one remembers any of it. They just remember how awful those uniforms looked and how they become kind of a laughing stock around the league for wearing those things. Because your branding, it does – it does matter. A lot of that matters. And, 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 that, and you know what? That kind of makes me think, too, because people, so many people are doing businesses these days and coming up with their own ideas and plans. And as you laid out, you have the whole, this whole brand new business. And then you see these people in construction uniforms and it throws everything off. Yeah. Give an idea of the importance of just the aesthetic. Because anybody who's followed this podcast, for example, I finally settled in on a logo that works and a yeah. look that works. And it took me a second to find that. Yeah. How important is that aesthetic of just how something looks before you can even go into the product? Because that seems to, because it's always the first impression that people come back to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you said right there, like people don't remember the basketball season. They remember what it looked like. It doesn't matter if you're into the way things look or not, you care, even on some subconscious level. And the thing is, is with branding, it's consistency. It's the long game. And with when you start out with the aesthetics of a brand, a lot of people have this, people don't really understand that it's not fully about the visuals yet. So the visuals are the first thing that you notice, but it's not the first thing that you do. So the, the first thing that you must do when building your brand is you need to get really, really clear on the foundation or what I like to call the soul of your brand first. You need to figure out why you do whatever you do. Um, you need to figure out your purpose, your mission, your tone of voice, your core values, your brand essence. What adjectives and emotions do you want people to feel when they come in contact with your brand? Um, you need to know who you're speaking to. You need to know all of these things before you even can get into the visuals. Once you're solid on the foundation, which that's just a little snapshot, then we can move into the aesthetics. So the first thing everyone goes to is color. And a lot of times people choose just their favorite color. Not saying that that isn't going to be what you use in your branding, but you must understand why you're using it. If you choose blue, you can't just choose it because it's a pretty color. You have to make sure that the properties of what that color makes people feel accurately represents like your core values and your brand essence. So again, taking those emotions, maybe it's authoritative, maybe it's uh, growth minded. Uh, Let's just take those for example. Um, Well, with those, you're going to want to look at, you can just Google color psychology and lots will pop up, but you'll be surprised if you've never done that before, you'll realize how things make you feel subconsciously. And then once you're more conscious of it, it's just, it's fun, honestly. So more of a, you can see that's why a lot of organic and natural and, you know, growth, anything with that, um, is more green. 
And then with, um, sorry, we live next to a, tra- <laughs> a commuter train, so just, I have the windows open because it's 80 degrees today. It's so amazing. It's, it's um, actually relatively nice. It's like in the 50s, close to 60 out here. It's actually pretty nice for early March for, for yeah, once. Amazing. Um, yeah, anyway, so you have to so look up color psychology. Black, you use that in more like black contrasted images. I like to my personal favorites, like the dramatic filter on the iPhone, it brings in this contrast, it brings in the dark and like the black point. So that is usually equated with authority. So a lot of brands will use that. Um, you know, red is depending on how you use red, it can, it's very bold, could also be sensual, could also like those type of things. Um, yellow is more invigorating, it's energized, you see that. Um, and so it's just cool to go and look up color psychology and see what matches your brand essence and then start working with that. And then you can get way more into with different patterns and the way that you frame things and the proportions of things and the logos and everything. Um, but with the, that's like the beginning stages of aesthetics. And then once you're past, once you're getting all of that really solid and clear and consistent then my specialty is taking you further to creating, sorry, there he is. what's going on over here, um, creating a full sensory brand experience, which means, you know, utilizing the five senses and creating an experience for your consumers. Like from the moment they come in contact with your brand to um, consuming your content, to coming back, to telling people, you want to, you want, especially in digital world, you want to be able to use these five senses. And that's, you know, again, it sets you apart. So that all plays into aesthetics. Um, and that, I mean, that's, there's so many things going in my head I could go on about, but that's just the general overview. That's, let's, let's stay with that for a second. I know in my brand, for example, because not just simply the, the podcast, which was the start of it, the colors have always been a combination of royal blue, white, and black. Those are the three. Just those are those are mine. My favorite color is yeah. actually orange, but I know orange it does it doesn't. I can already tell what I'm trying to do doesn't fit. It okay. just wouldn't fit what I was trying to convey. My my alma mater's colors, Michigan State University, is is more of a kind of a darker green and white color, yeah. and that has its own conveyance. I know with a lot of colleges, a lot of businesses use certain brands and they're very protective of them. A whole, we get a whole memo and Michigan state university just put out a whole memo breaking down exactly what type of green is used, what helmet is used, what the the block and the font that is used on the Michigan state type. You don't, you only use this here, not this one. And it is hard. Through the whole same thing with, they've gone through the legal system with protecting their color. It's a big deal. Yeah, and I, even with the University of Michigan, I see that where they get angry when you call it yellow and not maize because yeah. they insisted like, no, it is maize, and they'll break down this whole thing. And yeah. aside from the silliness of just the back and forth rivalries, I get why they do it because yeah. it is a very important thing. When I look at when when I can kind of read off some of these colors, as I know you've been doing this on your Instagram feed, yeah. which I which I saw, I just saw that and just thought it was super cool to do it. What does a color like Royal Blue convey, for example? Because not just that's just not just the colors for the brand. My fraternity's colors are Royal Blue. And what does that look like? What does that color convey if you're using that as a part of a brand, for example? Yeah. Um, well, ro- blue in general is much more of a calming color. 
Um, and with Royal Blue, I would say like integrity, peace. Um, let's see, like intelligence. I think that was the other ones. I have to look up exactly because I don't know all of them by heart, but it's just um, that's what I would say is Royal Royal Blue is safe as well. Or say a color like a because you mentioned red earlier. What's like a, what is like a purple, for example, where certain brands or certain organizations may have purple as a part of it. For example, what what does that? Where would somebody go if they have a like a purple in there? Like the Los Angeles Lakers are purple and gold. Like right. the purple into that. Yeah, purple definitely has that royalty vibe as well. Um, I would say it has nowadays. It's having more. It's more connected with spirituality. Um, if you've seen a lot of, if you go onto, you know, spiritual type Instagrams and things like that. Um, also integrity is another one. Um, yeah, I think the one that really stands out is, or the two major, major ones are royalty, which has always been, and then, uh, spiritual. And I guess one more here, just, I think we could do this all day. And yeah. I know it's, it's, it's like a color like bronze, for example. Not a okay. not a brown, but more of a bronze color because you just mentioned it too. And there, a lot of the like the mindfulness. I notice a lot of like either certain yoga studios, things that will have like a lot of bronze, a lot of kind of the kind of those those colors around. What did what would something like a bronze or a brown like convey? Yeah, um, you know, I think with metallic colors, it's very you have this luxe feel about them, prosperity luxury, anything, because that's when you think of, you know, gold, silver, bronze, right? You, you equate that to the Olympics. You have to, you have to also think about what the culture says it is because bronze still means you're, uh, achieving. Let me pause for a second. And it's almost, you have to think about what product is using it, what personal brand is using it, because you also have to make sure like, you know, I could say bronze it, you know, like in equating that to quote unquote third place for mm -hmm. fix, you know, you want to make sure that what your product is that you're using that color for doesn't clash. That makes sense. So you also have to think about culturally what a color represents and making sure. So I would say if you're using it more with like the metallics, then I would say a luxury line is you're going to see that. Um, and then if it's more of like the brown, it would be more natural. So it just depends on even what way that you use it and what product that you use it with. Yeah, hopefully that. But when I don't have reference to put it with. Oh, no, but that does help. And you mentioned things like the, the, all the senses. It's not just simply seeing it. And people will, will hear like all the senses where it's like obviously sight and sound like explain how all the senses work when it comes to a brand too so um my absolute favorite is scent i think it's the most underrated marketing tool ever um i think every single person and brand needs to have a proprietary scent because the scent is connected to the olfactory bulb in our brain which is the memory part so Everybody has a story of, you know, I smelled this and it took me back to X experience, you know, and it's incredibly powerful 
And I don't understand why more businesses and brands and people aren't using it. So with my clients, you know, I help them create a proprietary blend. And a lot of them, like I mentioned before, they, they're on stages, they're in person with people. Well, you want to have a candle or room spray or something like that. And anytime you're delivering value to somebody, make sure that scent is connected to you. So then when they're out, uh, these people that have experienced you are out in the world, let's say lavender is part of your blend and they smell a candle that has just a note of lavender. A lot of times it's going to, they're going to connect it back to that experience that they've had with you. Um, and so it's so important. I mean, for instance, the Gramercy hotel in New York city has their own scent. You walk in and it's, it doesn't hit you in the face in like a bad way. Like it's not overpowering. Um, but they have their specific scent. And so the whole, and you can get, I can get way deeper into the actual branding of the Gramercy, but essentially you're there and to have like a really great experience in New York city. And they want you to be connected with that smell. And they actually sell their candles, like little eight ounce candles for $150 because people want to be reminded. They want to be taken back to that incredible experience that they had. So that's just a little bit of scent. And then, um, like I mentioned, a lot of my clients are service providers and coaches, personal brands. They interact with people. Um, so thinking about like branding is just your reputation. It's a fancy way of saying that. So it's about showcasing yourself more, I should say whatever. So you have to, you have to know yourself deeply in order to showcase it. You want to make sure that's why it's important to have a brand to make sure you don't leave room for interpretation for other people. Exactly. Sure. Like that's getting back to the foundation part of it, making sure you're clear on that. But then when you're utilizing the senses, like I love to, you know, when I get a client, I send them something that is branded more to me. So for instance, um, I love like anyone who knows me, I love mimosas. Um, and <laughs> I love um, like leopard print and palm, uh, like palm trees and palm leaves, um, coconut type stuff. And so I send them something that is specific to my brand, like welcoming them in. That's tangible. They see it. They will smell it. They will hear part of it. They will taste something in it. And then they will touch it all. So then they go through the process. And then once they're done, I send them something else, but it is more branded to them. So it's like paying attention, obviously, throughout the entire process of what they, what is specific to them and sending them something that is on brand. Not only is it just great and you know, a nice thing, a nice gesture to do and very generous, but it's not about that. It's about teaching through, like you want to, you want to have something tangible in such a digital world. We want something tangible, right? And Absolutely. So it goes as far as like, for instance, like business cards, I think business cards are kind of dying unless you can make them an experience. Like, don't just hand me a card with your information on it. I'm going to lose it. So for one, if you're, this is just a side note, if you are at live events, trade Instagrams, trade LinkedIn's, do that because then you're immediately connected with somebody and then follow up the next day by saying like, Hey, love meeting you. How can I help you? Right. Interesting. And you, if you are going to give them something tangible, make it different. Like that's my biggest thing is I'm just bored of the way everything, everyone's <laughs> now like you've got to be unique like 
I understand the thing of following a framework to, you know, following a framework of someone else that was successful, but at the same time, like everyone's so different, especially with a brand, like that's the beauty of it is it's you, it's, you can't lose because you're only competing against yourself with the brand, with like a personal brand. So it's making sure that whatever you do, like thinking about these five senses, like how can you create an experience for somebody, you know? Oh, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. And you, the funny thing about the business card deal is I've seen as I go to enough of these journalist conventions. I'm going to be heading to one next month in Pittsburgh, for example, and I get handed business cards just up the ass. There's just these things are all over the place for a while, especially more so when I was kind of coming up as a freelance journalist and everything else. I came up with the idea of putting a QR code on a business card, for example, where I put my QR code on there and immediately takes them to my portfolio of all my work. Because sometimes they'll say, well, what work do you have? Well, they see this. And, they, and this is when I knew that people had the QR readers and everything. Is it, well, I, if you scan this code and they'll scan the code and just bam, here's some of my best work. Awesome. And that, that drew a lot of callbacks. Being distinctive. It is the same thing. You want to make things distinctive. You want to have things stand out. It's kind of like when we've had this conversation already, too, about knowing audiences, for example, knowing who you're talking to, knowing what's because how important for those who may not get it, because there are some people who fight this, even at high level major corporations who fight this. How important is it to know your damn audience and know who you're talking to and give them things to work with? Yeah, I mean, that is incredibly important. And I will say I'll preface first that. Them, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> is that when you're getting started, the, here's like the unpopular opinion is when you're getting started, experiment. Just don't pick a niche just to pick a niche. You need to really figure out like who you resonate with. And I think the best thing, and I used, I've transitioned uh, within my, my own brand right now, and I don't really work with people who are just starting out. But when I did and the select people that I sometimes do is I always say there's an experimentation phase. You need to just talk about what you know because you're an expert in it. And that's the other thing, like get clear on it and understand that you do, you are an expert in something. And that was going back to my story. Like that's what it was. It's hard to figure out at first what I was best at like this whole branding thing, because I just thought it came easy to everybody. But the Let things that come easy to you do not come easy to anyone else. So recognize that and just be on social media. Talk about whatever you know. Just have conversations with humans. Like don't look at them as numbers. Just say like if, have a conversation. Ask them what, they, what you can help them with, what they're struggling with. If you can help them, give them a quick win. Say, hey, this is what I, this is what I do. I can help you do this if you can. And then just like charge whatever you feel comfortable with, be very intuitive about it, and then just work with a bunch of different people. So that's how you start figuring out who your niche is. And then once you actually have figured out, you know, this is where I am, where I can stay in my zone of genius, you know, like I can be the most helpful to this group of people and just start marketing towards that. And then that's when you start knowing your audience. So for instance, I, my audience is the higher level entrepreneurs, the innovative brands, people who know the importance of branding. I don't have to sit here and explain that to you. So that's how my content had changed. I first started talking about years ago, 
what a brand was, why it's so important to have a personal brand, because no one, I mean, it's been around for a while, but it's a fairly new concept to the public because it used to just be for celebrities and people in the public eye, politicians, that, but now with social media, everybody, anything you post is part of your brand. Absolutely. My content first was what is a brand? why it's important, how to like the basics of how to create it. And now that I have evolved with that, my clients are higher level. They know the importance. So my content is more the nitty gritty of, you know, how to choose different colors. What what do you do with like creating a full century brand experience? Um, and I, I can't think all the stuff off the top of my head, but it's completely changed. My content has completely changed how like what I talk about based off of who I'm speaking to because you always want to speak to the one person not everybody like you could probably help everybody with what you know but you need to that's when you need to niche down um, specialize for one for that one individual absolutely absolutely like figure out who you enjoy talking with and helping because what's not fun isn't sustainable yeah and then just that's when it's really important to stick with your niche because you know if you can if you can figure out what their pain points are and what their desires are and you can speak directly to that, you want them to think, oh my gosh, she understands me or he understands me. This is like, they're in my head. Oh my gosh, like that's what you want. And of course, that's that's the whole point of this. It's getting to know your audience. It's the one thing that I've harped on since I was a rookie in radio all the way to today. It's understanding your audience, knowing who you're talking to. It's all a part of storytelling, knowing the audience, knowing who you're talking to, and then helping others start to figure out who they're talking to and what direction you want to take people. You only can do that if you know your damn audience. Coming up after this break, we're going to continue this conversation with Kate, and we're going to even talk about the phrase that she dropped in there that really struck a chord with me. We'll have that coming up after the break. And of course, we're going to take you to the break with my man, Chef K-Dot. He's always got something cooking up in the kitchen. He'll take you into this break here on the 110th episode of The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, better known as J. Scott Confidential. We'll be back with more of Kate Obert after this. You're listening to the People's Podcast. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. This is JSC Radio. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. This is the 110th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC SC Radio, better known as J. Scott Confidential. Welcome back. J. Scott Smith here for this momentous occasion, the four-year anniversary as well as the 110th episode. Want to shout out everybody who supports the show on all the different podcast providers, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, on SoundCloud and Stitcher. 
Of course, remember, Stitcher Premium. Be sure to go stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code JSC for one free month. You have CastBox and TuneIn, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and, of course, you can listen on Spotify. Be sure to hit up the YouTube page, bit.ly slash JSCTube. Hit that subscribe button and ring that bell to make sure you get all the updates you're looking for. Be sure to shout out my man, Doc Gillingsworth, if you want to check him out, assuming, you know, we're actually able to meet, you know, public places because of coronavirus and everything. He's still got the Dusty Midwest tour happening until further notice. It's all through the month of April, and the link in the description will tell you all the damn details. One more thing, by the way, before we do that, if you are a DIY podcaster like me, doing it your way, I've recorded this show from so many places and so many states and so many different venues. The way I've been able to do it is because of the equipment I have. And if you go to my Amazon page, amazon.com slash shop slash J. Scott Smith, you can go to Podcasting 101 and you get all sorts of different cool stuff. You can buy the laptop that we use. You can check out a number of microphones, a lot of which for under 40 bucks. You can check out headphones, studio quality headphones as well. We've got USB drives. We've got flash drives. We've got carrying cases, recorders, and we've even got Adobe Audition. Adobe Audition subscriptions for as little as $20 a month right there on the Amazon page, amazon.shop slash Smith. So let's get back into this. We'll pick this up because, well, she turned a phrase. She, of course, being Kate, pronouns pal, Kate turned a phrase before the break that really got me interested. The phrase zone of genius. Let's continue the conversation and find out exactly what that is and how you can find your zone of genius. My name's Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 110th episode of the People's Podcast. This is Jay Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. Let's get more of this conversation with Kate Over. This is a presentation of JSC Media. So in the midst of that, you use the phrase, the zone of genius. How did you find yours? And that, that kind of goes back to your story. When, how old were you when you first figured out that this could be a thing for you in terms of going into branding and business? Everybody has that epiphany, that yeah. moment where it's like, oh, this is what I can do or this is how I can do this. Yeah. What did it, where did it start for you and how did it develop over time? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Like I mentioned, I'm, I've always been really great at aesthetics. And I, I didn't actually know that these were the words to describe it as, though. I didn't realize aesthetics was what it was. I didn't realize that branding was what it was. It's just I knew that I was good at putting things together. I was always the person that people would ask me, um, does this look good together? How do I edit this photo? Um, anything to do with the way things looked. Um, and that I always knew from a very young age. I mean, you can go look back at pictures. Like I was always like the fashion person. And that's how I knew how to express it back then. Um, and I mentioned I've, lo- I've always been into psychology. I don't have any formal training on it. But I love the idea of um, influencing behaviors based off of certain things, you know, a little master manipulator, really. <laughs> and, um, and so I think that that has been, that's been really cool to see over time. Like I look back now and I'm like, oh, I know, I realized why I was in that job because it helped me hone this skill. And I really attribute so much of my executive assistant job to that because even though I wasn't doing stuff exactly in that way, 
um, like for instance, my first like assignment when I got there was decorating his office. Like it was amazing. Like I just, it did a lot of like interior design stuff. I know how to shop really well. So I'd find like really unique things that helped, you know? And then of course, like planning a party. I remember he was, he was across the country doing like Harvard business school. And he, all of a sudden he just wanted a party plan with three hour time difference. And he's like, I need a party plan tonight for blah, blah, blah. And it was like within six hours, I had to do this like close to black tie event, like this whole thing. And it's like, you just don't say no. So it's all these things where you just do it. And then mm-hmm. I finding, I think really what happened is I found things I didn't like to do and then <laughs> didn't do those and kept finding things I did and kept going towards that. And then, um, I really took a look at what am I the best at? And there's exercises that, um, to help with that, that I did that I tell a lot of people do when they're trying to figure out their zone of genius is make a list of, uh, things that put you in flow, what I call flotivities, you know? So what do you lose yourself in? What do you just like start doing and you forget about time? Another thing is think about jobs and experiences that you've had. What about those experiences have made you the most happy, the most proud, and most fulfilled? And then ask 10 people around you that are closest what your strengths, what your weaknesses, and what your unique ability are. You'll be surprised how much of that overlaps. And I swear those are the three pivotal thing exercises that I did to really figure out that people came to me for the way things look people come and and I think for a little bit like I people sometimes shame you for that is the way you being you caring too much about the way things look um and I think that like I don't know that hid or put me down for a lot for a long time um, and then once I started doing those exercises, I was like, oh, right. Like this is something that makes me different. This is something that makes me unique. And then I just kept, I just kept taking action when I didn't even know really what to do. I just, <laughs> what do I do today? Cause I'm a classic overthinker or I should say recovering overthinker. So it's like, what do I do today that I really enjoy that keeps me in that? Really? I didn't know these words like zone of genius who knew what that meant, but it was, I realized that branding encompassed all of those things. It encompasses a lot of the psychology and the marketing and the way things look and creating a beautiful environment. Like if I'm going to go out somewhere, you better believe I'm looking the place up on Instagram first because I only want to go to somewhere that actually is like aesthetically pleasing. Not because I'm like bougie, which yes, but (laughs) I get inspired by being around things like that. So that's the other thing, like in your zone of genius, what, how are you, you know, what makes you feel inspired? And I think that that is, I don't know, I, I still go back to those three exercises. I think those were pivotal moments because I had to really sit with myself and be like, all right, what do I do? Because I created this out of nothing in the sense of I work for myself. I didn't just get a job. I had to create a job and I had to cr- figure out what it is that I was the best at and what other people would actually pay me for. And then that I've learned to stay within that. And because of the aesthetics, I've learned that I don't, you know, I mentioned before, my content has changed to stay in my zone of genius. And yeah, I used to do more like the mindset, the like mental health and all that, which I'm very big on. But I've realized that that takes so much of my energy that I'd rather have someone who that is their expertise and what they love doing because those things have to match. 
I have people I send that to. If they're not ready to work with me yet, if they need a lot of, you know, self-development, I send them to someone and be like, call me when you're done with them. And then we can get into your brand. Cause I work best at that higher level where we can be really, really unique and creative rather than do the basics. You recognized, you recognized the strengths. It was, I, I've run into that a lot with not just the podcast, but with different things I've done in general, where this podcast, I tell everybody it ostensibly was a sports show. And then I realized within about, I'd say maybe 30, 35 episodes in, it's like, I can talk about this shit all day, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And there's something more that I can gain from this and you got to pivot. And some people aren't willing to make that pivot to do something different. They want to, they want to dig in and I'm going to make this work and they're going to keep smashing their head into that brick wall instead of climbing over it and trying to do something different. That is that is a part of the I have to use that the zone of genius like finding that spot you said that you that you used to get crap from people about being into aesthetics what were some of the I guess what were some of the things people would say to you because it just sounds like it just everybody cares about how things look it's not just it's not just about oh you just think you're too good to go into well depending on the situation yeah or I don't get a good vibe off this place what would what would people say to you when they're coming up with these, oh, she's so hung up on everything looks? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I never really realized that happened until I had to dig deep and be like, why am I afraid to show up online? Why am I afraid to turn the camera around and speak? Why am I afraid to do Because I got to the point, like, from when I was little, I was always in front of the camera. I would be making music videos and dance videos and news Like so much stuff, always in front of the camera, always directing everything. And I had to think about it because this is, again, to get to where I am now and to realize all of this, it it was a whole self-development journey. I really just worked on myself and then stuff just started revealing itself. And so I had to ask the questions of why, why do I care so much of what other people think? Why do I, cause that was the main thing is like, I, what I didn't show up online, like I, sh- what I was supposed to and how I should grow my business because I was afraid of what other people would think of me. Okay. Why was I afraid of what other people thought of me? And I had to really dig deep. And that's when I realized that, you know, whatever my strengths were, which is the way things look is fashion, putting things together, all of that. I didn't, I don't think I knew it until I started digging deep that people actually it was almost like side comments. Like I would be told like, don't be materialistic or it doesn't things, it doesn't matter the way things look or don't be so into your looks or it's like these backhanded. A lot of the side comments, people, little, little snipes, little shots here and there. Yeah. And it's incredible to see how much words really affect you. Even when you don't really think that they affect you. Like I was a very, very confident kid. Like I was even, I was talking to a girl like, uh, when I was back home in Virginia and they were like, yeah, you, people were just, cause I said, I would like never really fit into that group. And they're like, yeah, we were just intimidated by you because you just had a lot of confidence, blah, blah, blah. And I say that to say, it's like, yes, I had that confidence. So I didn't really, I don't think I noticed those side comments as much as I think I should have, but it really stuck subconsciously because then that just affected me being 27 years old. And so I'm having to like uncover all of this stuff now. And it's now that I have like a 
three month old newborn daughter, I'm really like my husband. I've had so many conversations of the way you speak matters. Oh, absolutely. Don't think that it affects you. Like I didn't think that those side comments affected me because I was confident. I don't really care what they say. And I really truly believed that. But at some subconscious level there, it's stuck. And then it's just, yeah, stuff just piled and piled and piled on top. And it was just something that I had to uncover. And it's really like uncovering your zone of geniuses. Just work on yourself and it'll reveal itself. I know that sounds so cliche, but it worked. <laughs> now, you said you grew up in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Where about in Virginia? Uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. Central. Lynch- Lynchburg, Virginia. How long have you been out west? So um, I was in Lynchburg until I graduated college at 21. And then I moved to Minneapolis and was there for almost three years. And then I've been out here in California for almost five. And uh, where'd you go to school? Liberty University. Went to Liberty University. Go from Liberty University to Minnesota. Now you're out in, now you're out on the West Coast. Yes. You've, you've been able to do this with your business. What have you run into both positive and negative. I guess we'll start with the positive here. What are some of the positives that you've seen as this business has grown? Like when, what was the first, first time you knew that you could really be on to something here with what you're doing? Yeah, I love that. Um, so I started my business being the classic type three on the Enneagram. If you know, (laughs) uh, overthinker need everything to be perfect. I wasted money on stuff that didn't matter, created a program without social proof. It's all the things, right? And then I just got to a point where I was like, you know what? Screw this. I don't really care. I'm just going to talk. Like what I said before, I'm going to talk about what I know. The right people are going to come. I'm going to have a conversation with someone. First person I ended up having a conversation with, I met her through Instagram. She reached out and said that she needed help bringing her personality to her brand, X, Y, and Z. And then I just was like, all right, I'll charge you $100. It didn't even matter. Yes, that is grossly underpriced for what it was, but I didn't know anything. And it's like, it doesn't even matter. Like I, going back, I would never change it because I just needed the proof that someone would pay me for what I do best. What that I is, that's best. so huge. And I, and I think that that was really cool. And being and growing, growing my business as I have, I think the best part is the fact that I can do it however I want. I don't have to, I don't have to follow anyone's way of doing things. Like I, I got reached out or someone reached out to me to like do some, like be a personal brand strategist for their company or something like that. And I'm always like open to looking at opportunities. I didn't know what that was about. And it ended up being like, they wanted to train me. They wanted me to pay them for them to train me in their way. (laughs) And then they would like give me clients or something like that. And it was like a couple thousand dollars to like invest in it and you'll make it back. It was like a weird version of like a network marketing, but without the network. It was (laughs) And I was like, no, because the thing is, is working for yourself. Like you can do things any way that you want. And to my earlier points is I want to do stuff that's different. I want to do it exciting. And I don't want to just follow like, you know, I'm going to brand people one-on-one and then I'm going to do group coaching and then I'm going to open a mastermind and then I'm going to do this. Like I'm bored. We're all bored of the coaching industry. And so how can, so that's like, for me, it's like, I like working with high level entrepreneurs, different, different people. And I don't want to say just health coaches, right? Just any, anyone who I really feel I resonate with and same with brands. I want to work with other brands, which the normal thing people would tell you is you have to pick a niche and choose that. Well, 
it's, you know, for me personally, I have found so much joy in being able to be very creative with how I do branding. Yes, I follow a framework. Yes, there are certain things that you have to go through, but a brand is very specific to the person, whether exactly. it's a company or their personal brand. So I like to come at it where I don't want to put them through a program because it's not a one size fits all. It's like really getting to know the person and like being super creative because the more creative and the more unique you are, AKA the more you bring yourself into your brand, the more you stand out. So that's been the huge positive with building my business is being able to be very intuitive and say, yes, this feels right. No, it doesn't. And, you know, experiment. How, how many of those experiments have you had to pivot from? Or when, when you've run into situations where it's like, that was a good idea and now it's not, we got to get out of this. Yeah. And for you, how long does it take you to just kind of cut bait and say, all right, F it, we're going to the next thing or elements of this stick around, but the rest of it, screw it, it's out of here and we just go yeah. to the next thing. Yeah. Um, I think that there are some times where quick decisions do need to be made, but I think with branding, you're... Okay, let me just say from like a personal brand standpoint, because that's where most of my clients or who most of my clients are. People want to see the process. Like it's okay to pivot. We're all allowed to be into different things. Like one of my clients, she was a fitness influencer. She built her brand to like six plus figure, like very, very successful as a fitness influencer. And then she was like, you know what? Everyone keeps asking me how I did this. And I really into you know, sharing with people how I built my business really. And so we pivoted her brand from a fitness influencer to a business coach. And now she's doing an incredible job with that. And then she is now pivoting where it's so fun, like to see she's continuing the business coaching, but now she's introducing a product. So now it's kind of sort of a pivot, but it's how we're, how are we branding? We have her personal brand, but how are we branding this product? underneath of her. So it that product has to have its own brand, but it has to fall under the parent brand, right? And exactly. so with that, it's been fun because we can experiment with it. And you know, when you pivot, be open with people. That's the thing. Like being authentic, I I hate the way that some people are using that now because being authentic doesn't mean showing up on camera, crying, sharing your vulnerable moments if you don't want to, like showing up with no makeup. It's not that. If you would never leave the house without having mascara on, don't feel the need to show up on camera without it on. You know what I mean? Like exactly. being authentic is literally being 100% yourself. And so the thing that's cool is when if something just isn't working in a brand, yes, we will obviously pivot, but we will I think we'll take time to see how people are responding to it and we'll also ask people how they're responding to it. Cause that's the thing, like, especially now, like we want to be, uh, engaged and we want to feel like we're a part of something. So for instance, we're help that same client. We're launching like a product of hers and we're, I told her, I was like, you need to bring them through the journey. People want it. People are nosy for one capitalize on it. And we <laughs> 
to be a part of it. So, you know, as you're taking this, um, this product to different investors or meetings or X, Y, and Z, share with your people in your story. Say, hey, I'm going to this meeting. This is what it's about, blah, 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 especially for her as a business coach. It's showing her process. I'm tired of people talking about failures after they've happened. Talk about the process. And if you fail, then talk about that. It's a learning. It's not even a failure. You know, it's a learning point. And talk to your audience, especially as a business coach, of what you're doing to grow your business. And when you do need to pivot, tell them that you're going to pivot. I think it's just transparency is the the most important thing. People will people will be on your side as long as you're transparent. I, I had uh, Latasha James, who also is an entrepreneur. She's in Detroit, and she's kind of mentioned the same thing, that she's always been kind of reticent to use the term coach, yeah. per se, because yeah. it, it does have that kind of a connotation where at times it comes off a little scammy, a little bit of a – they're kind of half-assed or they'll, yeah. they'll put out one thing in public. But you mentioned the word failures, for example. A lot of people don't talk about the number of times they miss on something, whether it's a small failure or, or building up from yeah. nothing. I've always been somebody who I didn't hide the fact that I've struggled yeah. at times keeping this thing going in terms of the podcast and finding my way and nearly quitting this thing three times and just saying the hell with it before it finally it dawns on you like this is the direction you want to go. You mentioned authenticity. I would think that would be a big part of a brand's authenticity is acknowledging the shit don't always go right. Sometimes you gotta, you've you've got to take a few losses along the way and then build off of what occurred. Oh, absolutely. And I think it speaks to a brand if they can. If you're not failing, I hate that word, but you know what I mean. If you're not failing, you're doing something wrong. You know, like be take risks, do something different, like be interesting and you have to be okay with looking stupid. You have to be okay if something doesn't work out. And again, it just comes down to transparency. You know, if we want to try something out within a, like my client and I, if we want to try something out within a brand, like we'll do it. And I think depending on the person, most of these people have built such a following and an audience that they care, like they genuinely care about their audience and vice versa. So, you know, you can test something out and then see how they respond or you can pull them ahead of time and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this because people love the process. People love to be included and they love the behind the scenes. Why do you think like, you know, reality TV works well? Why do you think like the how it, you know, how it's made or how it works or any of those type of shows it's like we love that behind the scenes look, you know, like red carpet. We all want to know like the behind the scenes of what, yes, it's nice to see Jennifer Aniston in this gorgeous dress as always, but like how did she, what led her up to that point? What's her team? Like it's fun to watch that stuff. Like why do you think people ask, you know, like Vogue does the 73 questions and goes in celebrities' homes because they're curious. People want to know these things. And, you know, the more people feel invested in you and your brand, the more that they're going to be lifers. They're going to be around and support you and want to refer you and share your stuff with other people, the more real you are. When people are these days are dealing with branding, dealing with businesses and kind of coming up with their own things, what are, in your estimation, what are maybe like three of the mistakes people make, especially as they're starting out and trying to get things moving? Because I'm in a I'm in a space with a lot of podcasters, but I also I teach 
And I have a lot of these students, these college students, where they are right now saying, this is my brand or this is where I'm going. What are some of the mistakes that you think people are making and how can some of them be rectified to catch it early, I guess, before it really becomes a problem down the line? So there are a couple of things that come to mind. The first thing is like doing visual branding before they need to. I'm a firm believer in bootstrapping your business in the beginning. Uh, speaking from experience, I wasted a lot of money with that. I did a logo on something that didn't matter. I had a website, I had a CRM, I did this. I wasted a lot of money and time and energy. And so I think that in the beginning, the most important thing when it comes to a brand is you've got to figure out your foundation. That's like a huge mistake I see people do is they they care about the shiny objects with the website and the logo and what their company name is. Oh, that's a big one. Like, what do I name it? doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> it, it really, really doesn't matter. And they try to be very, have this brand that looks more successful than it actually is. Just be real with people and say, Hey, I'm really good at what I do. Let me just help you, you know, do a couple of things for free, get some testimonials and then have, once you get that first, I mean, so much of it is about confidence, right? When, once you get that first client exchanging money for, even if it's $20, you're going to be amazed with how much your confidence boosts. And then, you know, selling is very easy when you're just solving someone's problem. Uh, so the first thing I would say is just don't worry about the visual brand yet. Um, really get clear on the foundation, like why you're doing something and what your expertise is. And a lot of that is going to, you'll be able to figure that out through personal development. Like you have to work on yourself. There's no way around that. If you're afraid to, you know, dive deep into that, then you have no business starting a business. Like exactly. you at first because your business life and your personal life are so intertwined. They're literally the same thing. So that would be, they're kind of, those two are kind of combined. Just make sure your foundation is really clear and then do a basic visual branding. Like I actually have, um, so I mentioned before, I don't work with most people at the very, very beginning anymore. Um, but I do have an ebook where it's like personal branding one-on-one, like every single thing that you need to know to start, build, grow your business. And that is, you know, get you clear on your foundation and it helps bootstrap you into the visuals of this is what you need to think about. This is how your Instagram needs to be set up um, here, how to think about colors, how to choose your colors, all of that. Like that's the, you know, just do that in the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about all these extra shiny objects because that'll come later. Like that's where I with people is after they've, you know, bootstrap got social proof. And then they're ready for a rebrand, a refresh. Like then we can like hit the ground running with that. But make sure your foundation is clear because if your foundation isn't clear, then everything that you do, and side note, a brand is consistent, if you remember, everything that you do is going to follow that. So a lot of people will pick a color or pick an editing style and then it just, they'll change it three weeks later because it doesn't feel like them. Well, you can't keep changing stuff. You've got to be consistent. And so you have to know why you're choosing what you're choosing. And you need to be, again, super solid on the foundation of your brand. You mentioned there that your business and your personal life tend to get tangled up with each other. Yeah. How do you manage to find balance with, because you're clearly from talking to you, you're, you know your shit. And yeah. you are very, you're very into it, very intense, which is good. How do you, how are you able to kind of, balance that and pare some of that down so it doesn't completely overtake everything you do. 
Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it is everything that I do because that's the beauty of really, for me, I don't like the word work because it implies that I guess it's work. You know what I mean? But like (laughs) I work all the time. I, I absolutely love it. If I'm in the conversations, if I'm going to get drinks or coffee with some people, or I went to an event last night, like I am always talking about branding or the way things look or whatever, just naturally, it just happens. It just flows out of me, whether someone wants to hear it or not. Like, like I said, I went, I was in Vegas last year at a pool party listening to one of my favorite DJs. And I was, yes, listening and enjoying the moment, but so much of what I love is drawing inspiration from other places. And I was looking at the font on like how the two (laughs) work together and like how their outfits didn't really match the vibe. And it's just, it's just so much a part of me. Like in my house, I create like an oasis, a, a space that I can feel really good about. And like I mentioned, I don't go places that if I can choose, I don't go places that aren't aesthetically pleasing because I draw inspiration from that. And I just like being surrounded by it. And so like the, it's like the work-life balance thing. It's just, I feel I'm just a very balanced person in general. And I definitely attribute a lot of it to my husband. Like he definitely keeps me grounded. Um, but I also think that I have a good understanding of, I don't know, like my husband's the same way. Like we both really like aesthetics and creating a beautiful environment. Like we get along with that. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about is that. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just so much of who I am, which is again, the beauty of a personal brand. It's like, it's not work. It's not effort. Like, yes, you do strategy, you have strategy and blah, 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 blah. But it's just, I don't know. It just happens. Like when we go on walks and stuff, we go places that have a pretty view like, it's just, you know what it, I mean? It doesn't feel like a job. It, it doesn't, doesn't feel like you're working. And the aesthetics thing that's big with me, I know at the day job, my my broadcast job, we have we just moved into a new building that sits right along the river in Philadelphia, like, and all the windows open out. And, oh, and you can, it looks like a gigantic poster, a picture window. How where, much more productive are you? And I'm actually, it's odd because I'm relatively productive and it feels really cool, but when we go to commercial, I find myself turning around and looking at the entire landscape. It goes all the way out. We've had these beautiful days lately where we see everything. That That's aesthetic amazing. hook it, it hooks people. I'll send you pictures of it. It's amazing. Yeah, and it hooks it hooks you in because it makes for great for whenever lately now they've been doing a lot more stuff with branding it because now we're in this brand new state of the art building and all they have to do is point the camera at the window. And see, it, here's what the city looks like. Aesthetics do so much for you. So and it, it changes so many things. I see it when they build new stadiums and cities or when they all these big skyscrapers and everything else. It just is all about the look. And that can grab you so, so quickly yeah. before anything else. That conveys something about a brand more than anything else, it seems. It does. And there's so much energy that comes with that, too. When you... When you are living in this high vibe mentality, you get things done. You are more creative. You're more collaborative. You come up with like new ideas. You're more risk. Like you take more risk in a good way. Um, It's just you have to, whether you care about 
surrounding yourself with a beautiful environment or not, I let, let's say like you, you don't really think it does. I challenge you to go somewhere that you absolutely love the surrounding and you will be incredibly surprised how much things will just align for you. You know, like when you can, when you can keep yourself in that high vibe state, that's where stuff happens. I mean, you can get really scientific or woo woo, however you want to explain it with the quantum field and all of that. But it, there really is something truly magical about consistently having you in that high vibe space. Like if you feel down, turn on your favorite song and give it 30 seconds. You know, if you are kind of stressed out about something, go for a run or, you know, focus yourself on helping someone else. That's the biggest thing is like, ask someone like who you just met even like, how can I help you? Like, what can I do for you today? And you'll be amazed. And it's these things that like, again, if you want to get into it, like our bodies are made up of energy. Every human is between like 62 to 72 megahertz or something like that. Mm -hmm. And what we surround ourselves will impact that. If we're, if we have like a cold or something, our body will go down a little bit. If you have a negative thought, that will also do that. If you have a positive thought, it can change up to like, I think it was 12 or 15 megahertz. Like that's why, you know, you want to consistently create an environment that puts you in that high vibe state because you're so much more aligned with who you actually are. And you're able to that's where the magic happens, whether it's collaborating or coming up with like new ideas, different ideas too. So how can people get to either work with you? And plus you mentioned you have an ebook and that the link and the link to that ebook will go in the description of this podcast, by the way, but how can people reach out to you if they want to do business with you, if they want to work on their branding and get themselves together and get themselves right, just from listening to you, it's kind of reinforced a lot of the stuff that I kind of, that at least I knew what I was doing when rebranding this thing. Cause I've, as I mentioned it before, initially the one question I'd always get is what does JSC radio stand for? And when I realized I spend way too much time answering that question, I need to just go ahead and just put the name underneath it. And how do I make it happen? And yeah. magically, a lot of things now it clicks yeah. and how do people get to talk to you to kind of have that same type of, to, to really have the conversations that we're having and also build up their brands and get to know more about what they can do to make their own brands better. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you did about you took the complexity out for the customer. You know, when you, when you're getting all these same questions, you actually reckon you weren't so married to the idea that it had to be, had to be this like you made it easier for them and that's what it's about it's for your clients it's for the people who you're serving you have to have a servant heart with it um and yeah i definitely i have an ebook like i mentioned that is for people who are just really just starting out building their personal brand you can also use it to a brand as well um like a product type product-based brand um but that is, like I said, for people who are starting out, it's to start, grow, and build your personal brand. So it'll take you through step-by-step. Step. So this was created because I didn't, when I was doing this and putting stuff together, I didn't understand why there wasn't one place for <laughs> all of the information. I had to go through so many different articles or books or whatever. It was annoying. 
it, it wasn't efficient and I'm all about efficiency. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to just create it, put it all in order to the things that you actually need to care about. So we don't go through like building a website or any of that because that's not necessary in the front. So it's literally a no fluff guide. Um, so you just follow the steps with that, get clear on your foundation, set up your Instagram, your socials, um, and then figure out like the visual branding and then start being consistent. That's all it takes. Be consistent for a while. And then once you get to the point where, you know, you've been doing this a little bit, but you now want to take it to the next level, you want to stand out, you need, I actually have a graphic, which I could maybe even send, send you, or it'll be on my page soon. But, uh, I just recently made one. It's like 15 signs to tell if you're ready for a rebrand. Um, but if you're wanting to work with me one-on-one, uh, I do brand strategy with personal brands and then also, uh, some innovative like startups and people who are like products that are, I think are really cool and fun to work with and stuff. How do people connect with you? Yeah. So you can connect with me on Instagram. It's just Kate.Obert, O-B as in boy, E-R-T. Um, and that's usually where I hang out a lot. You can find me on LinkedIn, same name. Um, but usually just like DM me on Instagram. It's easy. That's it's easy to pull easy to pull off. You have a website too, correct? Yes, I do have a website, obviously. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah, kateobert.com. You can look at that. Um I just I love connecting with people one on one. And again, like I'm very specific on who I take on as clients because I want to make sure it's a really good fit for both of us. But I have a very wide network. If it's not a good fit for me, uh, then I have other people to refer out to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and also if you just want to experience more of my content, I have a ton of free content that you can get so much just from that. So just hit up Instagram. Kate Obert, I thank you so much for this. We've gone over an hour. It's that always seems to happen on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I've always, it's like, I always think I can do 45 minutes. I look up and it's an hour and 10 hour 15. <laughs> it's just kind of rolled through. We could do this all day. And I will say this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send you some of the some of those logos because I'm a big guy in the logos and sports and just seeing how nothing will enrage a fan base than changing a logo or changing a uniform to something wacky. And I will send you what those piston, the piston logos and uniforms look like, and you'll get an understanding of why. Nobody in that organization wants anything to do with teal. They say the word teal with so much disdain in the <laughs> in in Piston headquarters now that it's not even funny. That's funny. I will send that to you, Kate Ober. Thank you so much for coming on J Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. I appreciate this so much. It's a pleasure having you on, and I look forward to talking to you more even off of here because we can go for hours about. Yeah. about branding demographics, how people screw things up and, and the really good jobs people do as well. But Kate Obert, thank you so much for coming on J. Scott Confidential. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much again. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. Another one in the books. And I want to thank all of you for supporting this podcast from the very beginning, four years ago, all the way to now for the 110th episode of this podcast. You couldn't have told me when I started doing this in March of 2016 that we would be here four years later talking about a 110th episode, talking to so many great guests, having so many great moments, hitting so many different topics and everything else over four years' time. And the growth of this show has been by leaps and bounds. And I just want to thank all of you who supported this damn show for the last four damn years. 
Thank you so much. I get four years of this shit, boy. Let me tell you, I'm just astonished that I was able to get through one year of it. To make it to four, now we're looking at the fifth anniversary a year from now and already planning ahead for that. But we're keeping this thing rolling. The big wheel keeps on turning. And episode 111, not going to tell you who's coming in episode 111. You'll just have to wait and see. I'll get it out there to you on the social media at JSC Radio, at J. Scott Smith. Just make sure you keep it locked. Drop a follow on there. Go to the YouTube page, bit.ly slash JSCTube. Hit the subscribe button. Ring that damn bell. And you can get notifications when the new videos start going up. We're going to get those up little by little. Going to get the video from, from Laura DeFrancesco and from Latasha James coming up in the near future as well. Hey, I'm a one-man band doing it myself. Thank you so much for your support of this show. Thank you so much for the last four years as we look forward to doing four more of these motherfuckers, boy. Let me tell you, my name is Jay Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Thank you so much for supporting episodes one all the way to 110. We'll see you next week as we triple it up with episode 111. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, one more thing. Wash your damn hands. You're listening to The People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. This is a presentation of JSC Media. about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.